okohala haukupila ke ia ke io o kumusesuare ekipa knkrlp 96.1 fm kohala mahalo anui loa no o kolohe mai na aupau
Hey, aloha, kohala, and welcome again to our Kuka Kuka program this evening. Uh, this is uh, Thursday, it's 7.06, and uh, my guest this evening is Councilman Tim Richards. Aloha, Tim. Aloha. <coughs> aloha, Jeff. Thank you so much for the invitation to talk story. Oh, yeah, always, uh, always welcome. Uh, we were talking earlier that uh, the last time you were here was maybe February? It was February, yeah, with a COVID-19 stay-at-home order, everything's been on hold. Yeah, I think uh, even for <laughs> even for me, uh, I think around that time we uh, stopped, uh, you know, coming to the studio because of that, mm -hmm. you know, for safety reasons, right. of course. And uh, gee, that's what say February, March, April, May, June. Wow, so five months. And I was telling Tim earlier, oh, hope I remember how to uh, <laughs> operate the phone system. <laughs> I was actually watching you doing a pretty good job, Jeff. <laughs> I was like, wow, glad you know which buttons to push. <laughs> I know somebody called in and I, missed, I dropped that call somehow. <laughs> but if you, if you want to call back, and, and if, you don't want, if you have any questions or anything you'd like to ask Tim, uh, you can call 884-5657. Uh, That's 884-5657. Uh, but anyway, Tim, uh, so how's it going? Well, um, that's an interesting question, giving, I think, as long as we've been doing this, we started with a volcano, went through hurricanes, now we're going through pandemics. Ooh, so, boy. Um, it, it's been challenging, and our county's had a lot to deal with this last couple of years. And this is, we're, we're looking at a tough time ahead of us right now. Uh, I, I, I know there's a lot of, you guys are dealing with a lot of a lot of stuff, a lot of issues, and um, I know some people. Uh, when I told them, "Hey, yeah, Tim's coming in the program. Uh, if you have any questions, call in." And some of them, you know, kind of healy healy. Oh no, I don't like call, <laughs> but you can ask him for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's fine, you know, Jeff. That that actually works out pretty well. So, um, and like like we said, we we're trying a whole bunch of different formats before we got started. You were talking story about. All the different types of Zooming and yeah. Facebook and all, all the different f meeting formats. We've, we've tried all different sorts of things to, to communicate. And so, and nothing's perfect. We're all learning a lot as we go through all of this. Yeah. Uh, even, even for me, like, uh, yeah, I had to learn how to uh, use Zoom, uh, go to meeting. Uh, even the simple thing is Facebook, you know, face FaceTime and all that. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, that's, uh, you know, I'm an old dog there. <laughs> You know, <laughs> trying to learn new tricks, I don't know. But um, I know, is there anyth anything that you'd like to talk talk about before we maybe get into uh, what some of the questions or well, issues of some of the people have? Maybe we can start just by talking a little bit about what we've been gone through. And, you know, the, the big thing right now is the COVID-19, the stay-at-home order, the pandemic that hit our county, hit our state, hit our country, hit, hit the world. And it is not lost on anyone of the stresses it has put on us. You know, a lot of times, Jeff, I, I talk about the the budget and the finances for the county because we can only do things if we have the finances, the resources right, to do it. Right. And um, our economy here, I, I talk about in um, our GDP, our gross domestic product, uh, for our county, it's about somewhere around eight and a half billion dollars a year. The whole state is probably 85 billion, so we're maybe, you know, a tenth of it. Mm -hmm. But for our county, 40% of that comes out of tourism. And so for the last, 
you know, coming up on four months, that dropped, um, total numbers is $3 billion, and that means we've dropped to zero, or essentially zero on that. And that is going to pose a problem for us part this year, but next year is going to be really hard because we don't have the cash coming forward. So um, this is why, if anyone has listened to me talk, I'm very concerned about not cutting the budget enough. I'd rather cut now and then reappropriate if we have the money. But if we don't have the money, then, then we've already made the hard choices. So I that, that's the thing that concerns me the most. And then <clears throat> unemployment, California was talking when they were getting scared when they were approaching 20% unemployment. Our county, you know, one report came out of the state at 37%. And our county, I was talking to finance yesterday, 35 to 40% maybe. So we need to get people back to work. And that's what keeps me up at night. Uh, most of those jobs are what related to tourism. Tourism, right? yeah. And, but it's it, it, when we see tourism, it, it's also the trickle down. It's the right. the you know the lunch wagon that feeds the people that are taken care of. So there's a trickle down, and all of those you know we, we've lost a lot of little businesses. We're going to lose some more. There is money that came out of the federal government uh, through the you know, so many different acts. The most recent one was the CARES Act. And of that CARES Act, um, our state got uh, oh, total numbers over a billion. And coming down to our county, we had $80 million appropriated to us. And we are in the process of administering that. But a lot of this money, you know, it's been months. And people's bills come due in weeks. Right. And so that's, it's been a tough time. When you said you guys got to administrate uh, the... Uh of those funds, uh, mm-hmm. who, who, is it the county council or? Who? It's the mayor's office. The mayor's office, right. The, the way it comes out, um, the mayor's office must do it in concert with the, the council. And that was a stipulation from the, the um, legislature. And so we got appropriated $80 million. We have a special meeting next week on July 1st if people want to tune into that so they can see about 11 or $12 millions have, have already been um, <clears throat> expended, meaning maybe not quite spent, but have been committed at different levels. So we still have another $68 million that we're trying to put into the county. And quite frankly, a lot of that's going to go into these feeding programs you've seen around um, trying to... We can't do any building with that funds, but we can do maintenance and repair. And so one of the things I'm pushing hard for the some of that money is to go into our parks and rec and see, hey, if we have this money... Let's do as much maintenance as we can get done. Now, obviously, it's a balancing act. And one of the big hiccups on this is this funding must be spent by the end of uh, December. And if not... You mean this year? December, this year. If we don't spend it, they take it back. Oh. So, you know... Is there a possibility of that happening? If we don't get it spent. So that's why we're trying to work hard on programs that we can get the funds into that will be used right now. And that's why the feeding the people, getting funds to them, um, that's one way of getting that because we can use that money right now and spend it right now. Uh, there's programs for grants and or uh, low interest notes to small businesses to help them out, keep their doors open. The big thing is we don't have our primary economic generator, which is the tourism. And people, you know, you, you hear people argue all sides. Yeah. I 
tourism is a portion of our economy. You've heard me and Jeff, I think as long as I've been on this, I've been talking about wanting to promote agriculture going right, forward. Right, right. We have a shot at it now. It's time, you know, the, the trendy term is pivot. We have a chance to really make a difference and make a big change if we commit to it. And I think we are ready to commit to it. But realistically, we have six months to do something and spend some of this money. We're not going to get it done. That's why we, and I say we collectively as all the counties, we're on a, um, a national call this morning, uh, and our president of the National Association of Counties, so-called NACO, we are talking about this. There is a HEROES Act, and some people may have read about that, that the House, the federal House has passed, but the Senate says they're not going to pass it. It's going to die in the Senate. We're starting getting back into partisan politics. Uh, yeah. This is not the time to do that. This right. is the time to move forward. People need the help. They need the help. They need they need the jobs. We've got to get things moving. Uh, I, th- I, I think I remember reading it. Um, I'll, I'll get to that later, okay. I, I, later in the program. But, yeah, so w- tourism, of course, is the uh, main generator of uh, income for a lot of people. Yep. Uh, there's an opportunity to – I know a lot of people are saying uh, there's a tremendous need to diversify. We cannot – and I don't yeah. disagree with that at all. But in the meanwhile, in the meanwhile, we, we got to get things going. And I think we can retool what tourism means to us. And I think we can retool what agriculture means to us. And I think there can be a blending there. Uh, we can re-identify what we want to do as a county, as a community overall. But the long and the short of it, if we're not doing something, we're not generating the economy and if we're not generating the economy, people don't have jobs. We can't yeah. afford health care, all of it. Yeah, everything, like it's you say, trickled together. together. Yeah. Uh, I remember reading this. And I found it pretty interesting. You're, you're saying there's, there's an opportunity to uh, retool or have a, a different approach to how we, or how tourism, how we do tourism in the, uh, in the island. I think so, yeah. Uh, This is an opportunity to kind of change things around. What kind of ideas did you have on that? Um, A little bit self-serving, but agriculture. (coughs) One of the biggest problems, and actually it's been a long time since you know I talk story, Jeff, was digging into agriculture and what it means on the economic level. Agriculture for our nation, the total contribution to our total economy, GDP, is less than 1%, meaning if we lose agriculture, the economy would hardly notice it. The problem is we'd have no food production, and so society would definitely feel it. And I was studying Hawaii and see where did we stack up with that. And Hawaii's economy from agriculture is about the same percent, just right about um, 0.8%. And then I started looking globally how it all stacked up. Agriculture, as far as total dollars cents generated, is not that big. But again, societies fail without having food. So then I got to thinking about agriculture and uh, having public policy that supports agriculture. In order to have that, you have to have people that understand agriculture. And so if we were able to use tourism and educate people better about agriculture and the actual functioning, not just pictures, but they go out and actually see agriculture in production, whatever it may mean, whether it be on a cattle ranch or 
in the farm lots and tomatoes or what, whatever. It doesn't matter. Even, even some of our specialty crops like vanilla or cacao or coffee. If they actually see what it takes to get that, I think when it came time for public policy to be passed, whether it be a commission or an elected official with a better understanding, I think we'll get better policy. So I think we can blend tourism and agriculture to teach people. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Uh, I, I think a lot of people would, uh, uh, you know, uh, appreciate that sort of uh, approach to tourism. More holistic. Instead of the, uh, you know, jump in a rental car right. and go Polo Valley and there's no place to park. <laughs> <laughs> That's another one. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, I, I know, yeah. I know yeah. Dave Tarnas and Senator Lorraine working yeah. on that. Yeah. I heard something uh, interesting was that, you know, we have Kona Coffee. Right. Yeah, it's known internationally. And uh, somebody was saying, uh, why can't we have something like grass-fed beef on the big island that and it has that uh, marketing uh, brand, uh, grass-fed beef, Big Island. I don't know. I think some, the, the KTA does that. Huh? Yeah. Um, we're, we're, that comes back to the other conversation about food self-reliance. And we import upwards of 90% of the food we eat today is imported. And can't we do better? And, you know, again, since I've been... Coming on your show, uh, I've been talking about food self-reliance, advancing agriculture overall. Big Island, we have the land, we have the water, we have the people, and I think we have the will. And I think that will is stronger now, probably stronger than ever previous. Right. All we have to do is have to shift and redefine what we want. We can't have grass-finished grass beef. Jeff, you and I grew up on that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, what we, that's what we used to eat. It was tasty. Yeah, I, mean, I, yeah, I liked it. And w the, the shift came when the markets dictated more money came from shipping the cattle out. But mm. that's shifting again. And there's more of identity of local production and thereby local food self-reliance going forward. What we need is the, what we're missing is the uh, infrastructure, the support, the processing plant, whether it be for slaughterhouse for, for livestock, whether it be for processing vegetables, making ready to cook. Again, also how people live today, typically most mm -hmm. people don't know what they're going to cook for dinner at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. A lot of ready to cook stuff is what's desired. So if we do that here within Hawaii, Big Island, and either export or whatever, we start creating the own economic um, the old agriculture economy by having value adding further processing right here so then we can ship stuff out we have an export which again creates technical jobs because we're talking about technical things right and we keep people home and we increase that whole gdp generation which is building for the future and you've heard me talk about my ag water energy and environmental right management. yeah this is all part of, of it yeah this is all part of it it's just advancing it again further so we can have the resources to then build the housing and then by supply the jobs so we can keep our young people at home. Uh, I think, yeah, there's been so much written about uh, the out-migration of our uh, young people heading towards the mainland. That's right. You know, for, well, cost of living is cheaper. Yep. Uh, there's other kinds of job opportunities. And it's unfortunate. It's like, uh, almost like a brain drain on it. On the, it is. State. Absolutely. You know, uh, and part of that, under that ag, water, energy, specifically the energy, we have so many portfolio 
that the renewable energy portfolio, by 2045, we have a state mandate to be 100% renewable energy. Big Island is the furthest one along of all the counties in the state. And before the volcanic episode where we lost the geothermal, we are over 50%. Oh, wow. Yeah, we're doing well. But what if we took some of that energy, and there's a lot of research going forward, uh, where shows that we could harvest hydrogen by splitting water and use hydrogen as a fuel going forward. And we have enough renewable energy here that we could make enough of it. Could that be an export product for Oahu? Uh, I mean, there, there's a lot of things we got to do. We've got to think differently, and that's probably the biggest thing. You mentioned that, and I remember that, uh, yeah, you know, hydrogen. And, and it reminds me, I was in the, uh, I think it was in the seventh, eighth grade, and we had an aquarium that was hooked up to one of those uh, six-volt batteries. Mm-hmm. And we had two test tubes, and w- I don't know if it was a positive or negative. One went positive went to one test tube, negative to the other. And what it did was it separated the hydrogen from the uh, O2, yeah? Right. And then uh, after a while, we took out the test tube with the hydrogen, and we'd stick a match up there. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, boom. <laughs> you know, but, yeah, it's... it's uh, that's basically uh, what what uh, you're talking about, right? Right. And the, the byproduct, um, we can have vehicles that run on hydrogen fuel cells. Uh, we there, There's a lot of things we can do with hydrogen. It's, again, changing in thinking. Uh, it's also understanding that a lot of people are afraid that it, it's explosive. Um, it's a fuel, but no exp- more explosive than the, the propane that we have today or gasoline. And except its byproduct, when it burns, it produces water, water vapor. So you want to talk about uh, renewable energy that's environmentally <laughs> friendly. That's about it. <laughs> I mean, and it's completely renewable, and we have the ability to do that. So if we think outside that box, try something different. Yeah, I think it's going to take people that think outside the box and you know, do things differently. Uh, you asked me earlier, we're sitting around talking story, and How's things been going for me? You know, and I thought, ah, oh, yeah, you know, all right. And then I, I just remembered that, wow, you know, I, uh, I spent a lot of time planting taro. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, Did I you? Uh, dug up all the weeds. Uh, I have a slope, yeah, mm-hmm. and it's, it was overgrown with uh, bougainvillea, tangled mat mess. Yeah, so I dug that all out, cut it all down. And so I, I planted all this taro, and then of course I made uh, lala, yeah. And you. I know the thing in Kohala was uh, for our uh, koala plan was fifty uh, percent mm-hmm. of the food that we eat, yeah, would come from uh, from us, uh, you know, uh, that we grow, Locally we grow, grown, it. Yep. yeah. So I was eating lava me and my family, and I was going. Let's see, the luau leaves came from you know the garden, uh, the tea leaf came from the yard, and the only thing I had to buy was a pork. So at least that's fifty percent, yeah. So we're trying to maintain that. Uh, you know, that uh, percentage of uh, 50. But, you know, that was just an, an experiment on my part. Uh, you know, it's not that far-fetched. No, it's not. You know. It's, uh, again, looking back at the agriculture, and I, I don't know, Jeff, you ever heard my talk on ag, but um, at one time, back around turn of the century, 1800, 1900, Hawaii Island was just about 100% self-reliant for ri- rice production. And it was all grown in Polulu Valley. Um, Today, obviously, that's not how it is. Uh, And our per capita consumption of rice, about 100 pounds a person in in Hawaii a year. 
the national average is 20 pounds of rice a year. <laughs> and then I looked at, well, what about Asia? Asia is at 200 pounds of rice per person. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so rice is probably not going to be something that we're going to do right away. But I'm not going to say, you know, if we close our mind, you've already said no. But looking at other things, you talk about pork. We yeah. have a growing yeah. pork industry. Yeah, right. Years ago, oh, well, years ago, I sound like an old man now, but um, back maybe f- six years ago, we produced 1% of the eggs in our state were actually raised here. Today, it's almost 20%. So we've had this huge increase of production. Uh, pork industry, we went from 4% to 5%. Well, that's increased. Increase, yeah. Okay, that's great. Yeah, so yeah. 18 fold, almost 20, 20 times. Pork, we went from 4% to 5%, and people say that's only 1%. No, that's a 25% increase. So agriculture is on the upswing. What we've got to do is be smart about it and be able to figure out how to do it that fits our local style best by being sensitive to the community, sensitive Uh to the environment, and sensitive to the economy. But we can do it. I'm sure we can do it. I was going to, you know, we're going to take a short break. Sure. Uh, and then we'll be back with uh, Councilman Tim Richards. We're just talking star, yeah? Kuka, kuka. And if you want to ask any questions or any comments, uh, you can call 884-5657. Uh, Aloha, Kohala. This is DJ Michael. Tune me in on Fridays from noon to three. I'll be playing a nice mix of music from rock and roll to country. Throwing down double shots and even triple shots now and then. That's Michael's Mix, Fridays noon to three on your Kohala radio station. 96.1 of a kind on the FM dial. Catching my encore on Saturday night from seven to 10. Okay, Koala, we're back again with Councilman Tim Richards. Um, I see we have, oh, well, yeah, sorry. Uh, somebody was calling in, Tim, sorry, but uh, I don't know, this phone system, uh, uh, is it is me or the phone system? I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, um, maybe uh, changing the uh, dialogue a little bit, uh, there were some questions that uh, the people uh, out in the community was asking me if I could ask you. Absolutely. Yeah, and one of them dealt with the uh, the koala pole. Mm-hmm. You know, the pole is, uh, a lot of it is used by people that, are, you know, for rehab, for exercise right. and whatnot. And I know, I don't know when exactly the pool is closed, but it's been months. Right. And so they had concerns like, will the pool ever open again? Short answer is yes, July 13th. Oh, okay (laughs) and the reason i can jump at that we got notified yesterday that the mayor was working on uh emergency rule number nine that dealt with pools and so we were given the tentative date of july 13 and literally about hour and a half uh we just got an email from the mayor that um rule nine goes into effect that July 13, the pools will be open, opening. 
and so Kohala Pool will be one of those. Now, there's been a couple of questions around all of this. I think, Jeff, we even talked about this before the COVID uh, concerning the lifeguards for the pools and having rotating lifeguards, and uh, we didn't always have lifeguard here, et cetera. Long story short, that's behind us. I've been told by Parks and Rec that our lifeguards will be here. That's, oh. that's not the issue. So that's the first thing. Second thing about the opening of the pools is they're not exactly sure of the hygiene, social distancing, et cetera, mm-hmm. policy that will be in place. They're working on it. They have an end date because they're going to open July 13. So we're going to have that protocol. And they think they're pretty close. Probably sometime, I'm going to guess middle of next week, we'll have what that, that's going to look like, uh, maybe end of next week. And uh, so that the pool is opening up. And the rules, how it's governed, et cetera, that'll all be coming out in the next uh, like I said, week or so. Specifically to the Kohala pool, we had a maintenance issue with the, the pumps and the sand filters and all oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had the money four and a half months ago, five months ago, and I checked on that this week um, because, you know, when I when I was notified about this, I wanted to talk to Parks and Rec, so I spoke to the director, Roxy Walton, about this. And because of the COVID-19 and everything's in flux and Everything is so out of order right now. She says, I don't know if the funding we have is still there. And that's an honest answer from her. Yeah, right. And so I said, well, what I've been pushing for, we mentioned the the funding previously coming from the state, the COVID down from the feds, uh, that $68 million, one of my opinions is that we should use a good portion of that for our parks and rec. We can't build something, but we can maintain and repair. So let's get after it. Oh, good idea. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'll be pushing for that in that special meeting next week. So anyway, that's good news for the uh, all the uh, pool patrons yes. that are out there listening. That you know, because I know that the question has been asked repeatedly. And so July 13th. July 13th is the date we were given in emergency rule number nine, if people want to go look that up. All right. Well, They'll also yeah. be opening bars at that day uh, as well. <laughs> so... That's another thing that's been, but again, there's some details that they're still working out the, the uh, details on. So. Well, I know that if uh, Lonnie Bowman is listening out there, she'll be very happy. She, uh, when I was a senior lifeguard at Kuala Pool, I think she would come there, if she could, three times a day. Uh, she really uh, was into exercise. A lot of people uh, use that pool for the, that purpose. Uh, another question. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a new water tank at Kapal Park. People mm-hmm. are really happy to see that. But I don't know if this is true or not. They said this is what's happening. Uh, this was information I was given like two weeks ago. But the uh, bathrooms are, the doors are locked and the water spigot has a lock on it. Right. Uh, well, what's first the story? <laughs> well, you know, first of all, where, do, where does the water come from the tank? Well, the uh, water's going to come from the tank. The county's going to haul it in. Oh, haul it in. Yeah. Okay. And what happened was uh, I had constituent contact me and... Um, she I know this was probably Faye. Faye uh, Yates yeah, we'll was say, we'll say her initials, Faye Yates. And <laughs> oh, she knows I was going to ask. <laughs> um, and the long and the short of it, she says, you know, Tim, we, the, it's a place where the senior citizen group, the Kupuna group, likes to go down to Kapa, but um, the bathrooms are terrible. And we had the porta potty there, but they only will clean it once a week, and we couldn't get it serviced more often because that's the first thing. I thought, well, that's a short term. Uh, okay, that's not going to work. So I contacted Parks and Rec and said, what would it take? They said, well, we need a new water tank. How much? Okay, I have the contingency funds. I said, but if, I'm, if I give this to you, this is right when the COVID thing started. 
is it going to sit there? And this is a shout out to Parks and Rec. And the maintenance chief is a guy named Jason Matos. His mother is a uh, Carvalho from Kohala here. And he said, no, Tim, if we get the funds, I'll get it in for you. So Jason Matos worked hard, got that done. And uh, I can't remember how many gallons. I think it's 3,500 or 5,000 gallons. Anyway, um, so that's all plumbed in place. And driving over here tonight, in fact, he called me. And I said, because I've been pushing, when, when's the open date? Oh. And the thing is, it has to be certified by the health department and so we're waiting on the certification the guy's been here they're doing the final tests i'm not exactly sure what they are they're expecting the results anytime this week or first part of next week and so the theoretical plan is sometime first part of next week it'll be up and running so it has to be inspected it has to be right. certified it has to go through this process yeah it's a health issue so it has to go through all that and we don't have anybody on the island it had to come from off island all right to certify you know what's good about this is uh you know, things like that occur, and then you sit there and you you, you begin to wander into these assumptions and, right. well, how come this and how come that? What's wrong with this guy? You know, and then, you know, it builds. You know? <laughs> well, what happened was we had everything installed. They put in new pipelines. In fact, they, they came back to me and said, we need more, a little bit more money because we got to put in a new pipe. I said, okay, how much? Fine. We, we have that funding. We got it through. The biggest holdup was the fact that we had the shutdown for inner island travel. So we couldn't bring the guy in to certify oh, the to tank. Certify. So that w we've been, it's been sitting there for well over a month, but we couldn't get the guy in. So to why did they have to certify it a bit? Um, because potable water, it has to be certified. And oh, it's good. Oh, oh, okay, right, right, right. Yeah, so it has to be w whatever testing they have to do. So now the the water that supplied Kapaa Park and Maokona, that was off of the ditch. Is, is My understanding, yeah, way before. Came yeah. to the end of the ditch through old pipes that came down right. Mahokona. It was left over from again when we were kids, and yeah, yeah, yeah. you swam, you swam in that ditch like I did. You drank the water out of the ditch like I did, but we can't do that anymore. <laughs> 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 they changed the rules on us, Jeff. Okay, so portable water. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> portable water. All right, uh, Mahokona Pavilion. That one's a uh, tough one, and this is something the community has pressed and rightly so for what are we going to do um had a conversation with them them meaning parks and rec where are we with this and i've discussed this with some people uh last you know two plus months we've been a little bit out of contact just because we can't have any face-to-face -face. but long story short mahokona pavilion is old it has a lot of damage termite damage it had an environmental assessment, and it was found to contain lead paint, which I don't think surprises anybody. Uh, but there's also a herbicide or a pesticide found uh, in some of the soils around it. So to do any construction, we must have a construction company that's certified to handle, um, I don't, I don't want to say toxic waste, but certified to handle these environmental concerns. And that's where we're with it. I've asked Parks and Rec for kind of a written timeline um, to give us an idea. But to get something done, first we have to have the construction company to work with. An environmental impact statement, EIS, has to be done. Uh, because of the age of the building, it'll probably have to be reviewed by the state SHPTE, the state historic, uh, historical, <laughs> historical <laughs> preservation <laughs> department. Um, and so there are a whole bunch of 
hoops to jump through again because it's government. And of course, right next to the coastline. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. So it's going to be a special management area. Uh, and then we have to discuss going forward what are we actually going to do. So it's in process right now. Um, unfortunately, you know, I was kind of hoping that we'd have be able to use some of the COVID money. Um, I don't think that's going to qualify for this, but maybe the next program might. Yeah. So my ears are, are wide open listening where we can find some funding for okay, this. Okay, so. Okay, all you people out there, uh, here it is, live. Yeah, so uh, I, I hope that answers our questions. It's not answers everybody wants to hear, but that's the reality it, of it. Well, at least something's been done. I mean, right. you know, it's not just standing still. Right. So we covered the call poll, and I know Rick Cohen out there is really happy about that, Lonnie Bowman. And, uh, the, you know, the thing I want to not really talk about, just to mention, is um, uh, a week ago, Tuesday, uh, a good friend of mine, you know, went missing, we're diving. Mm-hmm. Sorry. And um, the thing I, I'd like to say is I was so impressed, in fact, we all were, all the people that are involved, at the response of the uh, county rescue. Uh, I know there's there's no, uh, what do you call, cell service there. At least my right. phone kind of connect. No, not right, right there. Yeah. And so I had to... Uh, drive all the way up to Camp 17 wow. before something connected. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm blasting it. Yeah. But the, when I called 911, uh, by the time I was finished my conversation with them, I got back to Malcona Pavilion. I would say just a few minutes later, rescue was there. Uh, next thing I noticed, I could hear a chopper coming up. I mean, it was so fast. These guys responded so quickly. And even the uh, the police on the scene, and they were telling me, and others, says, they've never seen these guys respond this fast. And so I just want to give a shout out to the county rescue guys. And Jeff, I appreciate yeah. that because um, we actually have, <laughs> have a really good police and really good fire response when it comes to this kind of stuff. And one of the things that we need to do is you talk about the dispatch calling 911. Yeah. That system needs to be upgraded. And again, we're looking at more costs, but hard to justify. But those 911 uh, operators, you can imagine the level of stress that they deal with. And they have to try calling these different things. Fire department are very fortunate. They have a, the Daniel Sayer Foundation oh, that right, right. supports yeah. them. They do a really good job. And uh, the Sayers are personal friends of mine. They They can't say enough nice about our fire rescue people. And, you know, <laughs> you, you go into middle America, the fire department takes care of fire. You know, here, oh yeah, we've got to deal with search and rescue, scuba, lost in the mountains, yeah. repelling. I mean, so based um, the expectation we have for our people is high. And appreciate that shout out because they really need it. Yeah, uh, also the uh, the Hopuna lifeguards on the uh, jet skis, mm-hmm. they came out and immediately they started to uh, do their thing. You know, they're all, they're all trained, you know, and they go through a certain protocol, uh, a rescue, right. setting grids and all. Right. You know, it was interesting. Right. Uh, that, the Hapuna, that's a bit another question. Oh, um, yeah, that's shut, a tough one, huh? Well, what it is, it's one of those weird situations where that funding for the Hapuna lifeguards was funding direct from the state 
they are county employees, but the state cut all that funding. So there is, as of the end of this month, they would have been pow. Uh, but the county mayor, um, Kim, said, no, we're going to keep them going. And so he said, just we're going to count on it. And he, he told finance that find the money. Uh, and then fortunately, this COVID money come forth, we're able to use that funding. So at least we can have that through the end of the calendar year. So end of December, their guarantee up to that point. Well, that's good to know because I just read an article, I think, recently in Silver Beat or something where they're looking to cut uh, the staff at Hapuna. Mm-hmm. But that's great to know. that. Yeah, because uh, no, I, yeah, I guess they're opening the beaches. Jeez, you know, that's a mile of beach. Right. And then Kua Bay was in the same oh, thing. Oh, Kua Bay. Yeah. yeah, so that, that but again, that funding is there. It's a tune of about $6 million a year that got cut, the... The state cut our TAT, the Transit right. Accommodation Tax. Yeah. That went from 19 to zero. So, <laughs> <laughs> so 19 million to zero. So struggles. It's, it's struggles. I was gonna say, uh, uh, you know, sometimes we think that our representatives, you know, uh, what do they do? But I know the more I talk to you, I just go. Wow. <laughs> what do you do? What do you do? <laughs> yeah, there are days we ask that. Um, but I actually, you know, it's my hometown. I, right. That's and, right. And I believe in the Big Island. I believe in North-South Kohala. But it, it's the island as a whole. I believe in it. And I really believe agriculture can just be something that everybody would want to model after. So that's why I'm passionate about and everybody out there who works in agriculture whether you have your own cattle or whatever everybody knows that people in agriculture you do it because you have a passion for it and some people may say you're a little bit off but (laughs) that's why we do agriculture because you want to do it yeah uh i i had you know i don't know boyhood dreams of being a farmer and you know my wife went along with me (laughs) it's a tough life it, it's not easy. It's not easy. Uh, besides growing the thing and dealing with diseases and the bugs and whatnot, then you got marketing problems. And that's where I think government, we, and, and I'll put on my government hat right now, need to do a better job. This is something that goes back to Cliff Suji days. Um, Cliff from Hilo, Representative yeah, Suji, right. was a huge advocate for agriculture, but he grew up plantation days and he understood it. And he had pushed long for facilities at the ports, Kwai Hai and uh, Hilo, but also the airports too, uh, to have the facilities to take the commodity, whatever it is, whether it's bananas or papaya or whatever, put it in the shade. Maybe we have refrigeration on the ports so we handle these commodities better and then get them shipped to our market, which again, primary market is Oahu. That's where we have a million people and this whole state is only, what, 1.4 million people. So we have to, if we're going to support agriculture, if we truly believe in it, we have to put the resources into it. You know, on another issue, something that I, I found very interesting, there's, uh, wh- what percent of our budget uh, comes from uh, property taxes? About two-thirds. Oh. Li- about three, um, again, this is off the top of my head, Jeff, but about $330 million right in that ballpark. Yeah. So about two-thirds, 60, and we're right on two-thirds of it. So I imagine that uh, we're probably not going to see that those kind of numbers. Uh, that's the concern. That's the concern, yeah. And um, 
this was my conversation with finance. Um, I maybe I'm a little too pessimistic, but I'm concerned about the collections. And people can only pay their taxes if they have they got a job. money. To, yeah, if they got a job. And so, I, I think I fear, or fear is the wrong word. I'm concerned that we're not going to have the the finances coming in in the timely manner that will help us keep our budget going. So then when it comes to, you know, talk about the pool. Okay, how am I going to finance fixing the filters if I don't have the finances coming in to turn around and spend on the pool? And so that's the juggling act that county council, and this is our job. We are not, we are the legislative, and we check some balances for the executive, the mayor, uh, but we have to find the money, and um, that's that's the tough one. This is going to be the tough one this next year, Jeff. Yeah, as a uh, property owner, I, I'm very concerned about that as well. I, I saw uh, or I, I read something. Uh, that's one of my uh, things is I don't read things completely through. I, I don't know, I get lazy. <laughs> <laughs> but they were, you know, the issue of property taxes on all statewide. But uh, I think the article was dealing with taxing properties that were valid two billion plus mm -hmm. yeah, and, is that two tiers that yeah. referring to yeah I, mm -hmm. I don't I don't ex exactly understand the entire thing but uh, you were the only one to vote against it yeah I think. That, that's a, the two-tier tax structure for um, second homes over two second million, homes second, second homes, homes. Yeah. so um, and and so on the surface people said so what's the issue well first of all um, there's about 140,000 properties in our county. That two tiers tax structure affected 935 of the 140,000, less than 1%, about 0.6 or 0.7%. That 0.6 or 0.7% of the total po uh, properties in our county before this increase in the tax paid. 19% of the total real property. So, you know, call it 20% for easy number. 20% yeah, yeah. of 330 million, now $66 million out of 900 properties. And I voted against it because a couple of reasons. First of all, uh, we're talking about the economy as a whole. And the last thing you want to do when the economy is struggling is increase taxes on anyone. And I agree. And what we need to do is look to people wanting to invest in our county. And if we make it so business unfriendly and tax unfriendly, um, and I've said this before, uh, one of the constituents I received a letter from talking about this two-tier, it affected his property. And he says, you know, I've had a property here for 30 plus years. Maybe it's time for me to leave. And I don't want to lose that. Now, you know, these people are only here a couple of months, and uh, they don't vote here. Uh, but I think on the bigger picture, they do invest in here. They support a lot of our um, charities. I know, you know, the donations that they give are huge, and so, uh, and we raise that tax. Um, I don't think it was the right thing to do. Now, at a different time, when the economy is going strong, what I wanted to do if, if we did something like that, develop a fund for affordable housing. 
And I'll bet you if we went to that community, yeah, yeah, they would get behind that. And um, but this wasn't the time to do that. I mean, just the tax, the tax. Uh, and yeah. I, I get the the concern for our, our future going forward, but um, what if we lose these people? Then we've, we've we haven't accomplished anything. Yeah, interesting. Thank you for uh, sharing that because uh, you know, depending how the the, the media will will present that, mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, I, I I hear what you're saying. Uh, you know, it's more than just oh, here's here's a rich guy, right? So let's tax him. He can afford it. But when you look at the uh, more in depth, then I, I can understand your reasoning. We talk, uh, yeah, ta- we talk about the economy and, and tourism. It's hoped that we'll have maybe twenty five percent by the end of summer back of our normal. And the concern is if we don't get towards that level, that people may change their um, spending habits, and we don't rebound. It'll take us years to bounce back. What do you mean they don't change their spending habits? They'll like go someplace else. Oh, oh, the Caribbean. Another pressing issue that somebody brought up and I thought was very interesting is that uh, they've been called to go back to work. But there's no child care. Yeah. And they can't go back because who's going to watch the kids, uh, especially with this uh, COVID virus? Is there anything, is that, is that do you guys ever? Uh, yeah, we've talked about, about this. This was a, there's a program that came out. Um, it was called uh, Kamayana Keiki. And it was, some people may have seen it at some of the parks. And it was a contract with a county with a group out of Oahu that offered primary uh, Keiki care, the daycare, for first responder or doctors because that was the deal. You know, we, we're asking these guys to show up for work, but they got kids. What are they going to do? Right. Uh, this is not an unknown problem. And if I recall right, I think some of this COVID money may actually allow for this to come forward. Um, I know YMCA was also allowed to do some of this uh, daycare. The problem is that we run into... Um, it, it costs X number of dollars, but if you have to cut the number of kids in half for the social distancing side, how do we fund this because they're not making enough money to cover their cost? And so, and this is where maybe the COVID money can come in and help. And I'll use the term subsidize it because it really is. Um, but that's the shift in the summer fund program. Right. The state or uh, the county has started that, but only from third grade and up. So younger. That's tough. That's the tough one. I know they would get like 50 kids. Right. You know, and that's a great program because, uh, you know, mom or dad, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they've got the kids for a, a good part of the day. Right. They use the pool, they go in the park, the gym, all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, I know they had to cut back a lot. Yeah, and, and um, some of our contingency funds uh, we made available for Parks and Rec to get the, the summer fund going. But again, it's it's going to be reduced because of the whole social distancing and all that. So, um, again, we're it's going to be a little bit rough. You got a tough job. I mean, you got a tough job. Uh, I wouldn't want those kind of problems. <laughs> I mean, really. I mean, I, I I consider myself. I like problems. You know, I like dealing with finding solutions. That's what gets me up at every day. You know, mm-hmm. but every time I talk to you, I go, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> There's other people that want to do that, you know. I, I, we got about like seven minutes left, 
And I was kind of saving this last issue because it's a really, uh, it's an issue that's really gaining a lot of momentum and steam, mm -hmm. but it's a, it's a, people are very, very concerned about it. Uh, my son, Kekai, he uh, started a uh, Facebook page. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Big Island Missing Children. He started last week, Friday. And uh, by Monday, there were like 3,000 people who had joined. Okay. I think Tuesday was like 4,000. I don't know where it's at today. They've had meetings and uh, they've been having meetings. I've attended presentations uh, in the past uh, almost two years. My first reaction was, nah, <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is, well, is this real, you know? But uh, I've been to like, I think, three or four presentations. Uh, last Saturday, huge sign-waving event, about 150 people. Mm -hmm. uh, I attended a meeting yesterday in Kona. Uh, there's at least 100 people there. And, you know, this thing is just growing. And uh, I don't know, what's your thoughts about that, Ted? We had a presentation from the police department <clears throat> on this specifically. Um, a officer, I think he's a Sergeant Finke, uh, presented. And this was this is his wheelhouse. This is what he's dealing with. And, um, of course, anytime we're talking about kids going missing, there's a concern. Um, surprisingly positive information coming out. Um, <clears throat> roughly speaking, it's somewhere between 400 and 450 kids each year have gone missing and there's a terminology whether or not they're missing versus runaway and, right. and all that right. and uh the high 90 percentage of these people of these kids are found as of i think it was a presentation two year two weeks ago we had a hundred and it's either 152 or yeah, 162. Like that. yeah i remember that yeah. um of that only two had not been located as of yet so the statistics are are high, and um, that doesn't that doesn't um, take away from the fact that is there a concern? Because we all know that there is a concern out there of what's going on. The police said if there's any credible information and leads um, for any trafficking or what's going on, um, please communicate to them. Um, I think it is potentially a problem. I'm, I don't think it's as large as some things and some of the social platforms may have made it out to be, because the statistics uh, don't support the fact that we have a rampant problem. Um, some of the concerns came up and said, you know, this kid has been missing for two months. How come it, we only see the picture of the kid now? Interesting answer. and said, well, in order for us to release a picture, first we have to get one, and second, the parents have to sign off. And you'd be surprised how many parents are reluctant to sign off on it. So... Um, I think it's, we should always be vigilant, we should always be concerned, but the statistics produced to us from the, the police are actually, I think we're doing a better job than we actually realize. And, you know, I, Jeff, I can touch on one other thing. Yeah, go ahead. Um, and we talked about the police, and we've seen a lot of issues across the right, nation. Right, right. So you know me, I asked the question. Um, I talked to the police about this, and I said, so where are we with this? And I... I think we can all be proud to say Hawaii is a little bit different. Um, and I don't think we have the, the departmental problems that maybe some other departments have. And then there's always a concern for accountability. Last, and these weeks blended together, I think it was two weeks ago, um, 
we approved $1.8 million for body cams, uh, body cameras for the police going forward. And that program will be starting very, very shortly. That's going to help with accountability. Uh, but it's also going to be help both sides and because there'll be a documentation. And I asked, well, you know, what about complaints against excessive force in our police department? They said last year, I think it was last year, they had six complaints filed. Three of them were actually initiated from within the police department themselves. So that was a surprising statistic. They are actually policing themselves oh, as well. So I, uh, I remember as a young man, I, I'd come back from Vietnam and got into the, the hippie movement and long hair and everything. And we're camping down Makapu'u uh, Beach, right? Mm. And we had a tent, and we came back to our tent, and it was knocked down. And this beat-up Chevy came driving up, these two big blowers in the front. And uh, this, I remember, I remember this guy. Boy, he didn't have two front teeth. And he had his hand on the door, and he said, what? I won't broke your tent. And I went, oh, like I knew. <laughs> this was the vice squad. Yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah this was the vice squad. <laughs> they don't mess around, yeah. I said, oh, sorry, Uncle. What? Don't get up here. And the guy's face just melted. He said, oh, no, bro. Don't get up You guys got to go someplace else. You know, it was at Aloha, yeah? Mm. Like, hey, he was ready. He thought I was going to give him a wise answer because, you know, I had long hair and all that kind. And, uh, you know, it's that Aloha, yeah? So mm-hmm. I went, oh, sorry, Uncle. Everything went calm down, you know. Well, you know, the vice squad didn't mess around. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, you know, but I... I, I People can always make complaints about everything. And we have bad players no matter what vocation you take. Yeah, right. Most of my contact with our police department is pretty good. And the CPO, those community police officers, the outreach. Um, KJ here in Kohala. Right, yeah, he's good. I like him. Good Good guy. Um, uh, So in Waimasa, we have um, uh, another couple officers there that, uh, Kalena's a real good one. So, anyway, uh, that I think they try hard. But again, we have a very large county, and relatively speaking, the square mileage that each one right. has to cover yeah. is huge. Yeah. And we're down fifty-four cops. They have fifty-four funded positions that we can't get recruits to fill yet. Yeah, I I, I keep hearing that they're yeah. you know understaffed. But anyway, Tim, hey, mahalo for being here. I Jeff, really it's always a pleasure. Good uh, fun. Look forward to uh, what is this uh, July. Yeah. Yeah, July. We'll be coming back. Yeah, sounds good. And uh, yeah, mahalo for being here. And uh, listeners out there in Kuala, uh, sorry the guys who called in. I couldn't pick up that call, but I hope we answered some of your concerns or questions. And we'll see you, uh, well, we'll see you next Thursday. We're going to be talking about hemp. Hemp industry. We got some people coming in. Oh, yeah? Yeah, they're very involved with it. And the local people? Yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. So yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll try listening in on that one. Yeah. Then. Um, if, if people have questions, Jeff, tell them, call my office. We'll try to get them answered for Okay, them. so you hear that from uh, Councilman Tim Richards. You got a question or a concern, don't hesitate. Just call his office. Call his right? office and we'll answer his. What, what number is that? 887-2069. Talk to Amy. Oh, oh, yeah, she's right on. Yeah. Okay, Tim, mahalo and okay, Thanks, uh, Jeff, aloha. so much for the conversation. Aloha. You're welcome.